how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? Everybody, this is Rose. And this is Louisa. And you're listening to Sober Sex. I made a promise to myself to stop not listening. What it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality. It started with putting down the substances, really, and starting to listen. And the listening to my body has changed. Rebecca Rush is a writer and comedian from New London, Connecticut. She hosts Vulnerability, a comedy show at the Hollywood Improv and is a regular contributor to a number of prestigious outlets. She now lives in Los Angeles where she's currently shopping a collection of essays. Oh my goodness. I mean, I like literally every episode is my favorite, so I'm not going to say, I'll say it. It's my favorite. This was one of the fucking best. And Rebecca, like, I feel like we, we were talking about it. We just get more and more amped yes. <laughs> through every second of the podcast. So by the end, we're like on a manic pink cloud. <laughs> no, totally feeding off her amazing energy. And you will hear her list of things that she loves is the <laughs> amazing. <laughs> the entire like last nine minutes of the podcast, you're just like a list of, it's like a long ass gratitude list from Rebecca, who is a delight and a, basically a genius. <laughs> we're so into this. Yes. Yes. So we hope you love this episode. <laughs> like we love fucking every episode. Thanks for listening. Here is Rebecca Raj. <laughs> okay. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Um, we do the intro afterwards, so you don't have to sit through the excruciating like, and this is Rebecca. Um, but first of all, what are your pronouns? She, her. Same, same. Same here. And how yeah. the hell are you today? We kind of got into this a little bit, but like <laughs> that was before we were recording. <laughs> I'm so good. And uh, I like woke up, played a little Taylor Swift, made some coffee. Now I'm here. Beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. And so we usually warm up by kind of talking about how the pandemic has been treating us in the, you know, the past year or so. And what's it feeling like now? So what's it been like for you, the pandemic? I mean, it was really scary at first. And... One of my friends said, like, just put more into your recovery and everything will work out. And I was like, that sounds literally insane. Like, how is that going to pay my rent? You know, but I was just grateful at first. I'm like, okay, I have, I was just like, all right, I could sleep on my sponsor's couch. I could sleep on the, like, but here I am, you know, almost two years later and still in my apartment. And I learned how to budget during the pandemic and everything just kind of worked out. Like I got some weird job hosting trivia on Zoom for a while. Um, oh my as God, that comedian, sounds amazing. It was okay while it was okay. I got a little micromanagey, and then they're like, you're not committed to providing the caliber of events. I'm like, it's trivia, Sharon. Okay, it's trivia. (laughs) It's Zoom trivia. (laughs) Well, their company grew super fast, and they were hiring off, like, backstage. So we have, like, a, you know, a wannabe actress who only has bartending experience. Now she's managing people. Like, it's just not – that was a big chunk of the pandemic – but uh, I, at first I quit, like I got fully sober and quit weed because of comedy. Cause I was like, I don't on stage, like I deserve a chance to like stop zoning out and losing my point and expecting like my career to work out. But then when there was no stage, I was like, shit. So what I started doing is writing what I needed. Like I started writing articles about 
like I wrote like this is the worst time to relapse because like I wanted to relapse you know I kept doing that and I just so there was we did zoom shows whatever and then I just pivoted worked on my writing I finished my book submitted my book I have it in congratulations um and yeah the agent's assistant read my whole manuscript and said I fucking love Rebecca Rush so that's my first review I've never even read my whole manuscript like that's long Um, (laughs) but it's been really good I've learned a lot I've gotten like really close with a lot of people been year two and year three of recovery so it's just I was telling Louisa right before like I keep getting afraid and then because I haven't taken this girl out for a spin in the world and I'm like afraid I'm gonna be year one me because that's like my last frame of reference and then I go out and I'm like oh we're we're okay like I don't have to I don't have to like hate everyone in my head if somebody bothers me I could just like make a roast joke and move forward (laughs) (laughs) bulldoze them um so our amazing mutual friend lauren of brutal recovery told us that we had to talk to you so what how did you guys like begin to know each other what's the story of your friendship oh my god i love this question i'm so obsessed with lauren especially because she's in london and like i'll come home from comedy and she's like just waking up and her morning self is like so exciting and i'm just like morning lauren you know, you're like, get online. <laughs> I'm like winding down about to go to sleep. Uh, so I wrote this tweet. Do you guys know those t-shirts like welders or like those super working classy, like, you know, don't tread on me type people t-shirts. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm a welder. I like beer. And it's like random words are capitalized. Like <laughs> English leave America. So I wrote this tweet that was like, I am a sober alcoholic. I work a program of recovery. I don't know how many people I've slept with. I am banned from Airbnb. Here's <laughs> for the healing crystal. If you don't like it, acceptance is the answer to all my troubles today. And yeah, uh, genius fire. <laughs> I wrote that and it did really well. And uh, it did well enough that I'm like, oh, I should put this on my Instagram. And I did that and I hashtag, I must have hashtagged it like sober or spritey. And this guy, Max, who runs the fucking sober meme account. We love Max. We love yeah. Max. He, he's, uh, he reposted it and it went nuts from his account. I got a ton more followers and that's how I met. And then Lauren followed me from that. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this girl's like speaking my soul with her memes. And we became friends and she invited me to a, a Zoom 12-step meeting. And it was just like this core group every Friday. We started a couple group chats on WhatsApp and then it was just on from there. You were like sharing all this stuff and it was, it just, I don't know. She became like one of my closest friends. I met one of the girls in Connecticut and I'll see her again. Her name is Grace. And it was just as cool in person as I had been online for a year and a half. That's so rad. I mean, it feels like early internet somehow. Before there was like sports Twitter and writer Twitter, it was just Twitter. We all knew each other. Yes, it's yeah. this is like a MySpace friendship. You guys are so cute. I'm like, let's go to the meeting. That is awesome. Well, and so uh, you guys have a project that you're working on together a bit too, right? Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So I have a show at the Hollywood Improv the fourth Tuesday of the month called Vulnerability. I just got it at the Improv, which was such a pandemic. Congratulations. Like, it's massive. It was on like a patio in Silver Lake before. Storybooks Cafe? <laughs> No, that else did. And then 
I would like argue with the sound guy and I had a hard out and I was first year of sobriety, Rebecca, she was a little spicy. So they never got back to me when I tried to get the show back and I was disappointed, but God had something much better in store for me. And I was like, what if I, everything I've ever like shifted or gotten in life, I've had this moment where I've like, just what if I could possibly have that thing? You know, cause I used to not even believe I could like put a roof over my head. Like that was a thing other people could do. And then yeah. I like, dared to dream I could, you know, feed myself. <laughs> No, that's so awesome. I mean, yeah. and also I think that like... I feel like I didn't answer the question. I'm like, what was the question? No, no, no. The question is how... So you guys are working on a project together. Yes. And so you have a show, Hollywood Improv, Vulnerability. Fourth and she has Brutal Recovery. And yeah. she has this huge following. And I had a podcast before, but I like... I was a different, in a very different place, but I learned how to podcast. And the podcast went okay, but I ended it because I... It was all about books, and I really started it to demystify writing a book for me. So I interviewed all these authors, and, I'm, and then I finished my book. So I'm like, all right, this podcast has served its purpose. But I knew what I was doing, and Lauren's got this huge following, and we have such a great rapport. And it's really like, what if we do a podcast together? We combine our brands. So we took, like, her logo and my art, and my friend who made my art made this really cool logo that's, like, both of our art at the same time. And we just spent, we've spent like the last six, eight months like planning here and there and just not being in a rush. We're not worried about it. And we have like a million Google Docs. So we ended up, it's a a recovery podcast about things that nice ladies don't discuss. Oh, hey. (laughs) Three episode arc on eating disorders. And then we have a Patreon. We're like doing it. She, it's everything that she knows, like I'm not good at everything she doesn't know how to do. I know like I'm doing the lips in, which is the podcast. Like, and she's doing the Patreon. Like, I don't know what that's about. So it's just, I've never worked a project with somebody who puts as much effort. And like, we keep just being on the same page. We had a sponsorship call yesterday. We haven't even launched yet. We're like, everything is just going. And he asked us this question and I'm like, I pretty sure Lauren's going to say the exact same thing as me. And she's like, yeah. So we're just like, it's like this divine thing where we're on the same wavelength and have this like group think for our project. It's very exciting. That's really beautiful. And also it feels like the things not working out, like not being able to go back to Elsit or whatever. It's like there's, you know, where doors close, windows open and that this whole other branch, like a pandemic kind of puts you guys in, t- in touch in a way that like would never have happened otherwise because you're like, oh no, my real life friends. And that's so awesome. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah, that's a really good point. I thought about it in terms of um, I was going to have my show on this mountaintop in Montecito Heights. I, it was gravelly. I don't know how anybody was going to get there. And that fell apart. And I was really bummed out because I had spent money on marketing the show. And I, you know, but this is so much better, especially the way the show is. Having it outside, the energy just kind of dissipates. But for show, like the energy that we created, this like collective thing just stayed in the room and felt really good. That's so beautiful. I hope that you guys get, have you met in real life yet? No, I was going to go in August. <laughs> I need to get plastic surgery instead. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, I like, I was like, I can't make both happen. You know, there's always friendship. <laughs> well, and the, the rules were all weird at the time. Yeah, too, like. Also. I was like, I don't want to be like, I'm not who I, first I was like, yeah, I'll just go and ignore the rules. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, that's not, you can't just not quarantine because you're vaccinated and it's okay with you. Like, you're not more important. Like, I don't get to make the rules over the British government, you know? 
<laughs> it is so interesting too because uh, uh, Max uh, and Lauren, I guess, hadn't met each other before, and then they were going to meet each other. And I thought that was so interesting to have like this. It almost is like the 1920s where you're like writing someone from overseas, like these long <laughs> letters, and you're like, no, don't get to meet them for the first year you know them. And and just from following along with their stories, it seems like they had like the most amazing time with each other and just connected just like you thought they would. It's such an interesting thing to think that you guys will have developed such a deep relationship and you hadn't met yet in person. I mean, it's like very cool. It, the era we're in is pretty special for that reason, you know? Yeah, it's really wild because all my – it took so long before I realized, like, all my girls are tall queens. I'm only 5'3". Like, <laughs> but you had never seen any of them in real life. Yeah, Grace came walking up to the Hartford Funny Bone, and I was like, oh, my God, they're my tall queen. <laughs> like, <laughs> seven feet tall. <laughs> well, I mean, at least, like, you know you're not being catfished, which is all I can think about. I'm like, what if they're catfishes? <laughs> oh, my God. Is Lauren tall, too? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, she's a tall queen. That's amazing. I'm 5'3", five, 5'4", five, five, so same boat as you. I'd be super surprised. But yeah, you can't gauge that on like a video, so that's super funny. Especially when you have like a big personality, people just assume you're tall. And when you're short, you just assume other people are short because it's like manageable. <laughs> in your imagination, I you're like, oh, we're all eye to eye. Yeah, <laughs> I assume everybody's my height for some reason. Yeah, but then I'm like, all right, this, this girl can help me, like, get some things off the shelf. Like, come on over. <laughs> it's funny, though, because I feel like I am a tall queen. I'm 5'9", but then I assume that everybody is short. And then when they're, they're like, my, my height, I'm like, oh, wow, you are also a giantess. Like, <laughs> I met a sponsee for the first time a couple weeks ago in, in Germany. And I was like, ooh, aren't you tall? Because <laughs> she's, she's actually in, in Belgium alongside Max. It's like... It, but there's there's so much beauty in this idea that we are like connecting, I think. And honestly, it's interesting you kind of explained that, you know, kind of two thirds of your recovery are have been in in the pandemic. Yeah. And so this idea that it's been like a, a like majority digital time. And I've noticed that, like, even though like I'm I've quite a lot of time, but this last two years have felt really quality because I've the the connections have been really wonderful like and deep in a way that is actually I found very challenging and kind of like mixed random meetings so it's been like all <laughs> all like women's meetings that are like really intimate and that's been so nice I'm like wow if that could be my whole recovery I don't actually want to go back to like <laughs> the real world I was in and out for 10 years. Like, I'll always say, like, I haven't dated in a long time. So you're not supposed to date in your first year of sobriety. And I was in my first year of sobriety for 11 years. Um, so I had a lot of experience with in-person meetings. But, like, my jam was, like, I take a coffee commitment and then I just never go to that meeting again. So I didn't have <laughs> – like, you know, I started going to bed early during the pandemic because I'm not out at night. Because, like, after you get out of comedy, you're still all, like, keyed up. And you need – just, like, waitressing or anything you do at night, you need, like, that time to unwind – so I started going to bed early, going to the 7.30 a.m. meeting, like all bright and shiny with all the bright and shiny people every day. And it was just so good. That's I mean, so my friend awesome. Justin would like talk shit through the meeting. My sponsor says that's fine because it keeps me in the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> just in the Zoom chat, like going off. <laughs> no, no, we don't trust that. We just, we, we're just like right there. We're like, you right out of screen. Remember when things started opening up, I asked somebody I'm like that I know on Instagram, I'm like, what was it like? They're like, 
it was weird not being able to like shut my screen off and like make a sandwich or fart or you know like do anything at all like I had to be present super weird there's like this kind of voyeur element to zoom like I'm usually video off but sometimes I'll go to like the big Friday night meeting here and I'll oh, new my hope? boyfriend yeah new hope and we'll go, <laughs> what do you call it like exactly. Fargo <laughs> Well, yeah, we think about everybody being like characters from the TV show Fargo, but we're going through like the lineup of people and we're like, oh, 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 like we're totally, but there's like this weird voyeur thing where you're watching people, but they don't know, like you can even pin their videos. So your whole screen is them. And you're like, that's so weird. I'm like watching this person. There's like this weird, like rear window element to it. I kind of love it. Of course, I'm video <laughs> off. I don't want anybody pinning my screen. Because you're such a creep. You're like, what if someone's <laughs> creeping on me the same way I'm creeping exactly. on everybody? When that occurs to you, it's a, Yeah, I love it. I pin people all the time. Commentary. Especially if they're, like, <laughs> if they're like sleeping or like they're doing something weird. Oh I'm like, <laughs> I'll pin crushes and people I want to laugh at. Well, and sometimes if you pin the video but have a different audio on and it's like kind of like this sort of poetic thing of watching like a strange video of someone sleeping while someone's speaking and it's like a whole mashup. It's kind of like creating your own. <laughs> video art. Video New media art. installations with Lily. <laughs> yes. I love it. Um, like playing um, the album to Wizard of Oz. Oh, wow. <laughs> Although I have to say that like, I feel very spoiled by like recovery meetings in Zoom because I've been recently doing online driving school <laughs> and they're, everybody's video off because it's like they're playing video, driving videos. But like every time anybody turns their audio on, it sounds like they're literally trapped in hell. <laughs> and I'm the only one who's like scream laughing into the void because we're all muted except for them. And they're just like, can you write <laughs> are doing that in 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 zoom recovery meetings <laughs> they get caught they get like somebody gets really controlling about it and here they just are going off <laughs> that sounds accurate if you've been to any meetings where there's like somebody really crazy and destructive and they'll just like kick them out like you can't do that in real life i mean we i've seen it happen but yeah. it has to be so much worse there's this woman who like i don't know i tried to talk to her once but she has this formula where she'll start off like so grateful to be sober. And then she takes like this little kind of a left turn into like, I don't know, according to her, she's like really, really famous and like the daughter of a lot of like billionaires. And she's had like, I'm mean, going to 10 different really important careers. And she's like maybe 40 and like, she has like maybe 15 or so different degrees. And uh, she's done everything you could ever imagine. And then she takes a harder left turn into like her kids have been stolen from her and they're down the street being abused by the government. And like, oh, they just go like aliens come in and like she's combat trained and she's not saying she killed somebody, but, and it just goes, <laughs> <laughs> like, then wow. you're all fine with that. But then she'll go further and start attacking people in the meeting. And that's when she gets kicked out. That's oh fascinating God. that that's happening on like a regular basis. And then she got, she had to get removed from the meeting and she just came back with like a new zoom account. Blessed. Yeah, I mean, you can endlessly do that. <laughs> sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, friends. Like, <laughs> I'm glad that she can just, like, come back, keep coming back. And she does. It's beautiful. It reminded me of this, like, Grace Anatomy <laughs> message board I was on in, like, 2006, <laughs> where this lady, like, would just come on and troll. Like, she was just always mad at Shonda Rhimes. And, like, if you disagreed with her, she'd freak out and she'd get kicked off. 
And then she'd come back with like a new one time her her speed name was I love kids and we're like, girl, we don't that doesn't mean what you think it means. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you've been banned just because you had that screen name. <laughs> also, like what the fuck? <laughs> wow. <laughs> um so to ba- back to our list of like, thrilling questions. <laughs> um, although I do love the fact that you were on a Grey's Anatomy message board <laughs> in the early my whole life. I mean, I was like, okay, what else was I going to do? I actually had a blog where I was live recapping because my ex-husband would want to do like, he'd be like, everyone gets gay on cocaine. I'd be like, that's just a you thing. Wear my underwear in the corner. I'm busy. And I, I had this Focusing. blog where I was just live recapping Grey's Anatomy for people specifically in Japan because they were in, at work at the time so they couldn't they could watch <laughs> and I would just feel like really important That's awesome. I'm busy <laughs> I love it I love it. and also I mean like that's a great cocaine activity, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, like that was the kind he would want to like watch gay porn. I'd be like, just hire a male escort, dude. I don't care. Just you know, do you. And he couldn't do that. So he'd want to like do his weird thing over there. He'd like creep at me out the creeping at me from the doorway I'd be like making a collage I just I like to do stuff like that when I was like okay (laughs) I mean I hope that some of those fun activities carried over into recovery like collaging (laughs) yes I I have at least made one collage sober a vision board always (laughs) I made a really beautiful uh I didn't I like I think of myself as like unable to craft and like, I just, Oh, I can't do things or I get frustrated. And I made a mermaid bra. I got the DIY kit on Etsy wow. and it's re- it came out really beautiful. But at first I was like, I'm throwing this in the pool and with my computer, cause the fabric glue wouldn't work. And my friend who's in recovery was like, Hey, I have a glue gun. Would you like to borrow it? And I was like, it's just so <laughs> like crying. Oh, but I'm so happy it worked like, out. This is supposed to be fun. People have fun crafting. And I was like, I'm going to dare to dream. I could enjoy this. And then I uh, I took my Adderall. I spent eight hours just like, and I and I really, I put on some Taylor Swift. And it was so nice. <laughs> my girlfriend came over and we were going to go out to Santa Monica for Halloween. But because we're sober, we like went to go out on Sunday. And somebody was like, everybody went out last night. And we're like, oh, because we were going to go out for two hours. And but like other people, like they wanted to be oh, they needed to recover? Like, they wanted to go out on Saturday night. It didn't make sense to me. Like, (laughs) going out on Sunday doesn't affect your Monday morning at all, okay? (laughs) No, not if you need to be in bed by, like, 10 p.m. so you can make the 7 a.m. meeting. (laughs) Um, So you were kind enough to share a very beautiful article that you wrote for The Fix about how your recovery was actually made possible uh, by escorting, and we'll definitely Mm -hmm. get into that. Um, But we like to take it way back and okay. ask what are the first and the, do the classic sober sex question of what are the first messages you received around sex and sexuality? Oh my gosh. I was just handed a book. I was, I was, I was a also handed a book. <laughs> like, what, what was your book? To my body book for girls. No, oh, it was I like my body, book. my, mm, I want to say my body, my choice, but that's definitely not it. <laughs> my body, my temple. <laughs> it was like, it had like cartoons which was weird, but okay, <laughs> go on. So that, yeah, that book taught me to masturbate. And then when I go to my dad's house on the weekends, I don't even know how I found it, but there was this Anne Rice, like writing as Anne Rockulaire, her like book, like sexy beauty. And I would go and like steal it out of the bookcase and like creep back up to my room after my dad was asleep and like read it and masturbate. 
amazing. It was so amazing. erotica. It was great. I uh, God, now I want to order it. I'm like, I wonder if it holds up. Forty <laughs> <laughs> year old me still gets as turned on as thirteen year old me by the Sleeping Beauty thing. This is the second. Like, I feel like your second book is just going to be like fanfic <laughs> for your early literatica uh, fascination. That's. I mean, that's how Fifty Shades of Grey started. Come on. Uh, yeah, I buy and I like had you. Know, you couldn't be buy in Connecticut in the '90s. Like that wasn't real. Um, There's a lot of buy erasure, and so I like also have black and white thinking issues. So I had such a hard time holding it in my head. And once I remember, like I wrote an erotic story about like girl on girl, and I was so ashamed. I like ripped it up and put it down my sink, like like water and down the sink. I was like that never happened. <laughs> like you like paper macheed your sink shut. <laughs> <laughs> then it got clocked. My mom's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> Why is all well, there just paper in the sink? <laughs> so, if, if you were given that book, it kind of leads like it makes me think that maybe it was pretty open to be able to discuss sex and sexuality in your house. Is that true, or maybe not? No, my parents. Uh, they lacked, what is it called? Love. They didn't, they were kind of lost in their own thing. Um, I didn't get any attention until I started acting out. Mm. So that became like kind of my identity. My sister was born really early, like four months early. So she was, and then she was, had a lot of behavior issues. So she was kind of like the issue. And then when she started to chill out, I took that over because that was like attention lived. My parents were just yeah, I mean, I don't really feel like our parents' generation, they didn't have the choice the same way to have kids or not. You know, society was so much stronger. Um, I don't want to shit on them too much because I did write a whole book, but... spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just try to, like, think of... Yeah, they didn't get so much love and compassion, so it was just kind of on my own, it felt like. Yeah, and it sounded like being rewarded for for acting out. Like, if this is the only way one gets attention, then this is what we're going to fucking do. (laughs) My mom's a pretty sick person. She, like, didn't have really good boundaries. Like, she would cry on my shoulder when I was 11 about, like, my dad was leaving her, and she climbed into bed with him, and he pushed her out, and, like, she wore lingerie, and it was just, like, a lot. Yeah. um, A lot of stuff. So, yeah, it was was weird. Um, I don't think that I would be a comedian if it hadn't been so weird, and I'm really grateful for that, though. Word. And it sounds like you've done a lot of work on kind of like reparenting yourself. And like, we were talking about parts work before we started recording, which is my favorite way to start conversations with strangers. Um, But that's so awesome that you've been kind of able to like, really use that in terms of like a, you know, healing with your comedy, but also probably, you know, shining light on it for others. So it was escorting, it was sex work that gave me that like time and space, right? Because I'm pursuing comedy and pursuing writing and I was waitressing. And I have the, just getting fired from every job because of my attitude. You know, I would, like, start, like, a a war with, like, the chef, right? And he'd been, like, written up in the New York Times that I would just get written up for insubordination. And I'd be like, mm. you know? I just, I had a little bit of an attitude. And they'd be like, sometimes you're so good. And sometimes you're, like, not, I was, like, that little girl with the little curl, you know? Like, sometimes she's very good. And when she's bad, she's horrid. Which my mom used to say to me all the time. So I was like, okay, I guess that's the message. But yeah, he'd be like, I guess that is me. Sometimes I would be a great racist, and sometimes I'd be drinking the rest of their wine on the way to the dish pit. You know, sometimes I would take their cheese plate away too soon because I wanted to finish that cheese. Yeah. Bless. <laughs> I'm so glad you're sober. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and you have no idea. My favorite thing to do when I drank was crash my car. 
Um, and like once I threatened to drive my car into the town monument because my on and off boyfriend wouldn't let me come over on Christmas Eve drunk, um, where his kids were. <laughs> what, I what also have personality disorder, by you the way. The so whale town in New London, that was what I was going to oh. drive into. Oh my God. So <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> like Connecticut would be so mad. <laughs> I was oh never God, like, yes. I was never, I was never self harming except at a guy who was about to leave me or saying no to me. I'd be like, oh yeah, watch I'd this. Like, like a My crystal and jet myself with it. I remember this guy was oh, once God. like, I don't know whether to wrap you up in a straight jacket or leave you forever. And like the straight jacket thing sounded like love to me. I was like, that's a lot of buttons. It requires your full attention. Is this You're locking me down. Locking me down. <laughs> um, so how did like how like okay, so early messages include um erotic fiction and my body uh, my body, my choice. <laughs> your 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 what is what's happening to my body for girls? Yeah. Um so how did you start drinking and, and or using? Uh, the first time I drank, I was seven. I uh, I ate a box of liqueur-filled chocolates that my parents' friends brought over for dinner, and like, and then I played Twister with the kids. And I didn't know what happened. I just thought I really loved Twister, and I would try to make people play Twister with me for many years, and then be like, "Why is?" I just remember being like, "Why is it fun as that one time? That one time was so good." And I just chased that twister dragon like confusedly until the bottom of the started. Once the bottom of the circuit started, there's always there's always a guy. And then I started drinking when my parents started getting divorced around eleven. Oh, I would take I would go into their liquor cabinet because my mom would have her vodka in her bedside table. But I would go into the regular liquor cabinet and I would take like a, a sippy cup and I would just take a shot of everything. It'd be so revolting. But I was trying to like oh. knock it pot, you know. And I'd be like, yeah. a shot of gin, a shot of Kahlua, a shot. Oh my God, I'm going to get sick. And then I would just chug it. And like, my sister was into uh, figure skating and she had these little things you could twirl on, like to practice in the house. And I would go find her little thing and just twirl until I fell over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to say like, yes, I'm, I'm so grateful that you got sober, but you did have a lot of really good fucked up activities to do yes. while high and drunk. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like twirling, Grey's Anatomy message boards, collages. I'm just like, wow. Like, I'm, I'm, you're going to be a fucking force <laughs> in the world as a sober woman. Yes. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. It really well, so did. How did it, how did it unfold from there with like, you know, your early days of drinking and using? And or sex. And or sex. Um, oh my God. Sex was just like a thing like that people wanted from me. I have a lot of sexual trauma. Um, and the first time something happened, this guy was like 17 and I was 13 and I snuck out. So my mom was drunk and passed out all the time. My, my parents were And I didn't like want to do, I was like 13, but I remember him being like, that's my thumb. And I was like, is it? But what was sad is like, as that little girl, I remember being like, is this mean you're my boyfriend? I'm like he raped me. And now I'm like, let's make it okay. You know? And I had kind of that pattern where I'm like, I didn't really feel like I had the agency, like somebody wanted me and, and that was kind of that. And, um, it took a really long time. So I think escorting also is like me taking the power back in those situations. Cause I have, I, had, I don't know if you like subconsciously seek out similar situations to like fix a trauma, but that was the situation I was similarly like subconsciously seeking out 
like, you know, getting myself drunk and putting myself in situations where like, I just, I'd be like, oh, they're not going to think everything, anything's going to happen if I, or they should know they're too ugly for me to have sex with them. No, they don't. They're going to shoot their shot. You can't invite a dude over at like 2 a.m. and think they're not going to try something. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like how you kind of touch on that idea of traumatic reenactment just because until like I see the pattern, I'm going to fucking do the pattern, you know, like, and think it's going to be different this time. And it's like, it's kind of like the kind of alcoholic trope of I, it'll be different this time. Here's how. And then of course it's not fucking different. What I've learned in terms of breaking patterns is that like I have to release the shame around it first. I can, because when the shame's attached, like I can have all the self-awareness but that shame makes it just into a tool to hit myself with and feel worse. And like the game is like, I just want to feel bad. My alcoholic self just wants to feel bad. Cause if I feel bad enough, we get to drink, you know? So yeah. that part of me is like, can we get, can we like max this out? So we have this excuse to, to get drunk. Yeah. That's like so fucking true. I mean, and I love, like we kind of talked about this with Lauren also this idea of, I think that there's, a new wave of recovery that we're just starting to see now that kind of includes a lot of trauma informed healing. And like you say, kind of like freedom from shame. And I mean, I know that that's kind of baked into the 12 steps in terms of like doing a fourth step and a fifth step and then like making amends. But it seems like there's this kind of new language around it that you guys are really touching on both in terms of your internet presence or your comedy and like clearly your personal experience, but that's really about kind of, freedom from shame and bringing a, like blasting it with kind of self-aware light in a way that's like really funny and engaging. And like that there's this new wave of people who are kind of getting sober, who are actually healing much faster because like they're part of a community that's actively talking about all the shit that people were too ashamed of earlier via memes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like when you talk, that's how vulnerability, like the seeds started where I, uh, when I first met my ex-husband, I mean, things were, like, a big mess, and I was, like, save me, you know? I, like, found out about crystal meth, which, like, I liked even better than cocaine, but I was terrified because I'd seen, like, the faces of meth, and I'm very vain, so it was, like, this whole Sophie's Choice situation. And and I met him, and he was, like, I'll save you. No more drugs, and we'll just smoke weed. And I'm, like, great, and I moved in with him. And then I, I took all these mushrooms and, like, went completely psychotic and called the cops three times. So I thought like my drug dealer was on the front lawn with a chainsaw and the cops came and they're like, man, that is your landscaper. That's your landscaper. <laughs> oh my God. That's a good one. And I owed him like $40, which I thought he was going to like stalk me down and kill me over because I'm like so important. He did have a chainsaw. <laughs> I end up in this, like also I read while they were like waiting for my parent, my dad to get there to drive me to the psych ward. I like read them my poetry because I have like an audience. And then at the psych ward, they were like, what drugs have you done? And I thought they meant ever. So I gave them the list of every, I'm like, everything but peyote. And that'll get you locked up. Like that'll very much get you locked up for 72 hours. So I had so much shame around that because my brain was like, what if I didn't take the mushrooms? Like, what if I'm just this crazy? And also who cares? Whatever. I'm fine now. But I was so ashamed. And every time I thought about it, I would get that hole in my stomach. Like, you know, like that hole I would get when my mom yelled at me, which was a lot. And when the first time I, I remember being like, could I possibly tell this story? And when I told it, I realized how funny that it was. And then I realized how funny all that bullshit was. And it like, it felt so empowering and it changed like, not just my comedy, but my muscle memory around these experiences. Like I could talk about my mom being drunk on the stairs and the more people laughed at these things, the more it changed that like inside of me when I thought about it. 
So I just want to like share that with people. So if the comics say something vulnerable, that's fine. That's like their comfort level. Once I had somebody talk about trying to kill themselves at the age of seven, it, that's hilarious. A seven-year-old does not know how to commit suicide, right? He like wrapped a belt around a doorknob and ran away from it with it and like around his neck. Like that's not going to work, bro. Um, but he never would have had the space to tell that story. And then I have the audience like write down things because they don't want to single them out. And so I'll like, I'll make like a roast joke or riff off and the other comics will too. And then they're sitting there like laughing at their own thing, but knowing that like they're not on the spot, you know? Because it can be anonymous. Yeah. Or like, yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice to help people. Like that's what me and Lauren, like we want our podcast to be all about. Like, Hey, like I'm over here. I went through all this crazy shit and I'm okay. And like, you're okay too. You know? Yeah. That's so beautiful. I I cannot wait to listen to the podcast. (laughs) A new favorite, especially because you both have really, really good voices. Both, yes. you know, in, in in the literary sense, but also like dulcet tones. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to comp you anytime you want to come to the show. Oh hi. Okay. Awesome. Planning an LA trip soonish. So Molly and I will come. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> um, so how did uh like escorting start? Oh my god. Thank you for asking. It's a fun story. <laughs> I had gotten fired from that waitressing job that I had with the chef in the New York Times. Like, I, he liked the red, and I remember buying this red flannel, the gap, being like, this is going to change everything. And I showed up with my gap bag and got fired. <laughs> like the fucking, I'm like, but I haven't put the shirt on yet. The chef's going to like it. No, no. <laughs> I got put red. Um, and I, I got, my roommate got me this job with this woman who I think was an escort. And she would pay me like $400 to clean her house. Her house was so nasty. She was definitely an alcoholic, probably an escort. And so I was like kind of, this girl asked, I met this girl at an open mic and she had her own apartment in the West Village. And I was like, how do you do that? And she was like, well, I have sex for money. And I was like, oh, interesting. And it was just other comics were like, they were selling their panties or they were getting on seeking arrangements because comedy takes a lot out of you and you don't make a lot of money for a really long time or possibly ever. But we love it, you know? And I started thinking about that. And then that girl was like, hey, I know you're broke. We're doing this Mae West play. It's a sex worker production. It's to benefit the sex worker project. Everyone in it is a sex worker. I had stripped one time when I was like 19 because my friend was doing it. I wanted to see like what she was doing to herself. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, well, I qualify. And they, she's like, we pay up front just like for sex work. And I was like, okay. And I did this play and I met all these women and they weren't what society told me. Like I'd wanted to do sex work before I'd sat outside the strip club in the rain and cried. Cause I just felt like I, that like society tells you that it's going to like steal a piece of your soul. Like that old thing with the photographs, like don't look in the eye. <laughs> like, don't look at the camera. <laughs> that's how people, that's how society kind of messages sex work, that it's going to like take something from you. And uh, I, after the play, it was just like, I was thinking about it and months went by and I went to Illinois in this RV with a bunch of comics to like bartend a, a golf tournament. And this girl's like, Oh yeah, I'm a traveling bartender. I make so much money. And then it was a women's golf tournament and we were getting like the Pepsi pouring at the luncheon gigs and no money. And it was a heat wave and the RV broke down. And there was, I had to uh, borrow money from my alcoholic boyfriend to get a hotel room. So my dog wouldn't die of a heat stroke. And he's like, yeah, I get paid at midnight. I'll, I'll send you a couple hundred bucks then. And I was like, this is my life. I have no money. 
this guy doesn't even have any money till midnight. That's like, I, yeah, the dog's going to die. Like there's, this is urgent. And then like one of the girls just walked off the RV without saying anything and flew back to New York. It was such a mess. And somebody crashed, somebody totaled my car that I lent it to while I was there. It was insanity. And, and when I got home, I was like, that's it. Like I'm done being poor. I'm ready to do it. And I got in seeking arrangements and I used Craigslist and Backpage because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to learn at this lower level. And this girl who had uh, kind of mentored me in was like, you are going to die. Like I wasn't screening people. I was just showing up. Some weird stuff happened. And uh, I was just so afraid that like I didn't know. I was so afraid to ask them for screening info because then they'd go away and I wouldn't get the money or whatever. But within like six months, I, uh, I got a photo shoot from a really great comedy photographer and I got on like the really good site, which is Arrows. And, and it was just kind of on from there. And it was really fun. That's dope. I mean, also, I have to say that like the people who I know who do sex work are some of the most empowered and joyful people in the entire universe. Like, well, yeah, people are cooler here, but like in New York, there's always girls who are like, you're better than that. Like you're smarter than that. I'm like, if you think I'm smarter and better than making six figures in a couple hours a week with something I'm really fucking good at, you're out of your mind. Nobody's better yeah. than that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I could make seven figures in three hours a week. Like call me when you have that job available. pretty much wow no and so that is interesting thinking about like the protecting yourself and the craigslist and just not even knowing where to start with it and kind of and so you said you had a lot of fun like what what made it fun it's you know there's our question was what adventures in sobriety look like in that line of work but you kind of mentioned it being fun i'd love to hear what made it fun like you're like making six figures in three hours a week. Well, yeah, that's obviously fun, but it sounds like it was fun beyond that. <clears throat> well, it was cool because all of a sudden I had, like, I could go travel, you know, yeah. I could like do whatever the hell I wanted. Like I could, I went through a period where I like really, well, the first time I quit weed, I would go and get a Chinese massage like every single day, you know? And I don't know if I, I just could do, I didn't even know how to have money at first. I was just like, buying things for people. Cause I was like, I don't, I didn't even have the self-esteem to like my bank account would scare me. You know, I'd be like, ah, here, let me pay for you to get your like chin wax or something. Not even my friend. <laughs> but that changed. Like, it was like that it raised, I like the idea that people would pay to be around me. Like after feeling so worthless, my entire mm. life was just so game changing. And then I had a sugar daddy. who was like a very famous painter Oh, my cat's mad. She wants to come back in. Well, you wanted to go out, so that's your life. Um, <laughs> you made your bed. <laughs> cats. She's fine out there. I, I feel like I'm sound abusive. She's fine. She's been out there for 20 minutes. All right, nobody cares. And uh, that was really cool because then I, like, negotiated. He was in Europe a lot for art. And I and he was this guy who was, like, friends with Andy Warhol, who was, like, super famous in the 80s who made like, and he just thought I was so cool and interesting. And we wouldn't even always had sex. Sometimes we just sit around and talk and, and then he'd give me 10 grand a month and I wouldn't even see him all the time. Cause he'd be like off in Europe and took me to Taylor Swift, like really good tickets. Got me my first pair of Laboutins. And, uh, and then that got old and I moved to LA because <laughs> at least my sublease was up and the, the lady decided to come back and I'd had it for like almost two years. I'm looking at apartments in the West village and he was going to have to co-sign and they were all like really expensive. And I like, I like to know where my exit doors are. Like, I don't want to live. 
Like, I didn't want to, I'm like, this is a leash. I don't want to be leashed to this person. And I don't want an apartment that's so expensive that there's nothing besides sex work I can do. Like, my apartment here is, if I wanted to stop and start waitressing or something, I could. You know, I could yeah. make it work. It would be tough, but it's not, like, undoable. So it that's just was beautiful, like, to, to make empowered choices because now it's, like, it's not living paycheck to paycheck or, you know, boyfriend PayPal at midnight, et cetera. Like you also mentioned this idea of like being able to say like, yo, you're paying me for my time. I can choose whatever the fuck I want to do with my time. And I think that that's like, like escort or not, like that's a really powerful idea, you know? Cause like, learned- sorry, go ahead. no, just cause we're like, especially as women, we're so socialized to people, please. I also learned really quickly, like anybody, that was on cocaine, that was going to be like an ugly experience. Like if they would, there would always come a point where they'd be like, well, I don't want to pay you anymore, but like, I still mm. have to pay cocaine, you know? And like, or they'd be, ugh, they'd just be all messed. Like they'd just be so crazy. And if I indulge with them and then one guy gave me a 24 hour cocaine service, that was terrifying. Like that was, and I would delete it and then go find it in my archive of deletions, you know? So I just, I remember Become one a hacker. apartment and it was like, this guy owned this whole building in Tribeca and he had like a museum wall of like shit from Mesopotamia. And he was like, would you like a glass of wine? And I just wanted to like be normal. And I had that glass. So he also was like, how much money do you want? Like he was just going to pay me whatever I wanted. And I was just like, it, I ended up asking for like two and a half times my hourly rate. And he was just like, here you go. And I had that one glass of wine and then I left and got wasted. And it was, it was scary, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, there was, I just couldn't, like, there was no way I was going to be able to continue and, and do that and keep like drinking and doing Coke and whatever. Yeah. And so like, what skills do you feel like have transferred from escorting to comedy or like back, like back and forth? Because it sounds like you were doing comedy first. Yeah. I've been doing comedy for a long time. I think that Wow, that's really interesting. I've never been asked that before. But I think that it helped me a little bit start to, in a strange way, feel less worthless and that transferred out. Like I could walk a little taller. People pay to be around me. Like whatever you say, maybe that's a you problem. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I'm like taking notes. These are such good like life lessons. Yeah, and they think awesome. my escorting Twitter is so funny. And I'll be like, oh, whatever. Like, you just have the bar really low for an escort. But I had that outlet. And then, like, daring to talk about it on stage. Like, something's happening right now that's really exciting. So I've behind every anorexic is an addict, right? So behind every love anorexic is a love addict. And I hadn't dated in forever. Like, that's – and I had this opportunity to get closure from an old boyfriend that I thought he was the one that got away and then he was in and out of the psych ward for two years, and I still thought that. Um, and then he's all like, I'm, he, I'm like best friends with his second ex-wife who he tried. Like, it's a whole long thing. But he call, came back around, and he was just like, he's like one of those, he's the worst kind of, he's like a villain that thinks he's the victim. So he makes his victims into the villain, you know? And it's like everything happens to him. Like, oh, my third wife, she made the moves on me. I'm like, what? Like, everything is, like, happening. And yeah. I was like, oh, this guy, like... Okay, but like it just gave me this close. He's like, I never got over you, and I'm like, oh, is this the narcissistic Hoover coming back? Okay, and then I blocked him. My spot. Sometimes I'm like, my sponsor never gives me direction, and I'm like, 
Yes, she does. And it's always to block people. She's had me block spots. <laughs> like, she doesn't give a shit. She's been famous a very long time and she's got no patience. And then, of course, I'll turn around and be like, are you going to block me? She's like, Rebecca, <laughs> I would have blocked you by now. Um, and I'm like, that's a fair point. <laughs> I'm going to start threatening to block my sponsees. Hey, sponsees, I hear you. I know you listen. I'm going to block you if you're bad. Just kidding. I love you so much. <laughs> and oh, actually, I think I blocked three people this week. I've never regretted it. I've never missed them. It's a form of self-care. Yeah, it really is. It's my favorite. Just be like, and you're oh, observing your own space and energy. I do with clients all the time. Um, but you had asked about... Like getting like once I quit weed, I had this one client that was he was a mess. Like he'd be like text me, and then he would. I think he wanted me to be mad at him. Like that was the thing he was trying to like provoke me into. And he, I'd be like, look, I got to eat first. He'd be like, oh, I'll order food, and then he'd be like, well, I ordered donuts, and then it would show up, and it would just be a bunch of drinks. And he never had the money right. And he lost his ATM pin, and I went over there sober, and he was like. Why are you still going to your AA classes? And I didn't remember telling him this because I was so high all the time. And of course, we're walking to the ATM because the money's fucked up. And then he like throws it at me. And we're just sitting there and he's like, I could keep you here all night. And I remember being like, no, you can't because I have a dog. Like that, what? Like that was <laughs> And I was like, I'm leaving. And he like, he was about to give me money for the next hour, but he'd already paid me. But I'd been there for the time. And I went running out. And he chased me out screaming, your AA classes aren't going to make you a better person. <laughs> I didn't mean to do they certainly aren't. 12-step. I didn't mean that. It could have been any A. It was a 12-step program. I messed up. <laughs> if you want yeah. us to erase that, we can. <laughs> Don't worry. You like yeah. dub over and put 12-step in front of AA. Is that Beep. <laughs> your <Yeah>. classes. <laughs> oh, yes. That's great. Um, and I was running in flip-flops, like, and I was a smoker at the time in Brooklyn, like in the dark. And then I just popped out on a street and like there was a cab right there and I was like, yay. And I never saw him again. It was great. Boundaries, baby. Yeah. I love boundaries. <laughs> so occasionally we, we talk about, <laughs> this sounds ridiculous, but it's my favorite sex magic, sex magic on this show. As what? in the, je- <laughs> this- of the week. That's been all really? I've been talking about. I've been teaching my friend Amy Dresner about it. And yes, it's been what I, well, because I thought that nobody would want to date an escort. And that was what I told myself. So it stayed like that. And then I, I dared to dream a few weeks ago. I'm like, what if I could be open to that? And now I've got like a whole bunch of potential suitors. Potential suitors that are like, it's just work. And I'm like, okay, you're right. And I'm like, oh, I'm in LA. Everybody has a dream and a hustle, you know? So now that's so awesome. So wait, 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 wait. Magic like my suitors is my point. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, I love that you just manifested a bunch of suitors by daring to dream. And we're we're curious about like who is the archetype of sex magic that you think of or that you like hold inside of you when you want to access that like erotic power. (laughs) It's gonna sound bad, but like I am my own sex goddess. Like it's like my higher self. Love that. That's not bad at all. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Connecting to like the energy in the universe. Like it's very like that for me. Um, It was really cool because I, with the ex, while we were talking, like I felt that sick, addictive kind of horniness. It like hurt me. Like it felt like my pussy had to pee, you know? And I was masturbating like 15 times a day. And then I sex magic him where I can like astral travel, like 
into their space. And sometimes you feel like a, a wall up and like push past it. And like, I could feel the way that he wanted to fuck me. And he hadn't had a, he'd been so unhealthy. He hadn't had, he called me and he's like, I just had morning wood for the first time in two years. And I was like, ha, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I'm a witch. That's so awesome. That's right. Yeah, which is age slower. So if you look good for your age, you might be lynch. Maybe it's Botox. It. Maybe it's witchcraft. <laughs> Maybe combo. If you're in LA, it's probably a combo. <laughs> I mean, it's 100% a combo. <laughs> I love your answer about sex magic. So good. So, well, in, in 12-step recovery, we have this idea of a sex ideal or who we want to be as our best selves as romantic or sexual partners. It sounds like you're super tapped into that, which is awesome. But can you talk a bit about your own sex ideal today? Man, yeah, like, God, have you ever, like, fucked a guy who doesn't give a shit if you come or not? That's not it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not that. That's, like, my sex yes. We don't like that. Um, but, yeah, just, like, the chemistry has to be there. I like a guy who kind of, like, takes charge a little bit because if they don't, I will, and I don't super always But wait, 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 pause. Who do yeah. you want to be? Who do like, I want to be? Yeah, who do you want to show up as to maybe invite this person that, like, the 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 match for your ideal oh i want to be someone who doesn't like give themselves away or betray themselves like for the situation you know (laughs) before when i every time i liked a guy like in the past couple years my brain's immediately like quitting sex work in my head but i don't want to quit sex work you know and like thinking that that would be the only option um that i was like maybe i have to be poly i don't it's all fine i want to be confident in myself to know that i'm not going to have to back down on myself or betray myself to get the sex and love that I want. And so beautiful, (laughs) you know, like I am extremely good at sex. I always have been. And I think that before recovery, it was the only way I knew how to connect, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, maybe the only time I could be present and the only like, and it's not like that anymore. So sex could be like just a part of things. And like, yeah, I just want to be somebody who doesn't who doesn't do things that she feels bad about for somebody else, you know. And I want to be able to feel safe enough to like really let myself go, and like and also feel safe enough to like I would like to be able to come fully together with a person and then fully apart and like not have it affect in a bad way my life, but like have it me like go back to my work like more excited, you know, with energy and not having lost energy. Like I'd like to create mm-hmm. energy together instead of feeling like something was stolen from me. Wow. That's work, a really cool concept. To, in work, I have to dissociate, which is great, you know, like trauma really, cause like my soul kind of like goes up here and it doesn't get damaged. A psychic told me that. And I was like, that sounds right. And then sometimes yeah. I'll be like having sex for work and I'm like, is this what it feels like when my soul's not here? You know, but that's... <laughs> I like that as a conscious thought while fucking. <laughs> I'm gonna try and think about that the next time I have sex. I like to do. I like to like. I like to do my clients from behind, so I don't have to look at them, and so I can like go shopping or whatever in my head. <laughs> like lists. <laughs> That's such a wonderful answer, though. To be like, to a, it sounds like entirely lacking codependence, and b, to kind of. Yeah, like have your own back in a really ferocious and like loving way so that whoever you're with like has to kind of meet you at that place, which is so fucking rad. 
So my friend Grace, who's like also friends with Lauren, and I have met Grace in person, and it was lovely. Uh, she this is Grace from me. Connecticut, Hartford. Yes, yes, <laughs> cool. yes. Hi, Grace. <laughs> Hi, Grace. So she taught me the concept of solo polyamory, which is the idea that you are your own partner first and foremost. So like, I just I thought I would lose myself, and like the other thing, like oh nobody wants to date an escort, was another thing I was telling myself. And I would freak out about these eventual conversations I would have to have with people that I didn't know yet, you know, that I wasn't dating. It's like, well, how am I going to tell them? But conceptualizing the idea that I'm my own partner, like, but can date. So I was like, I had to like sit myself down and be like, we need to see other people, you know? Wow. And, but like being like, okay, like I, I have to do that. Cause I, I remember just the history of like, you know, betraying and giving myself away and losing myself to relationship. Yeah. And so if I conceptualize the idea that I'm my own primary partner and whoever I date, like, sorry about it. If you're listening, you come second. That's it. Like, but guess mm-hmm. what? I have a lot of energy and I'm great. So you're really lucky to come second. <laughs> you don't really come second because my dog and my cat come second in my career, but like you come second relationship wise with humans. With that human being. Yeah. <laughs> with myself and that's also priority. Oh man, that it reminds me of this like kind of a a kink concept that's like self collaring of this idea of like I choose to like collar myself, like I am my own master. I like I serve myself in a way that feels really like about respecting myself, and that's like I I I love the idea of kind of solo poly being like I am my own partner first and foremost. Like (laughs) on the partner hierarchy, I'm number one. Like that's so beautiful, and I think that like again, women historically we've been like taught that we like shouldn't enjoy sex (laughs) and that we shouldn't come first, and that you know like all these bullshit messages like no one no one will love us. (laughs) We're too good at sex, basically, and like. It's such an exciting thing to just like smash that shit to the fucking ground and to be like, actually, it could look like this. Like, you can fucking have it all. Yeah. I remember the first time I kissed somebody in sobriety and I was like, oh shit. Like, it feels so different. Like, this guy yeah. was probably not shit. And it was like just this magic of like actually being in my body. I was like, hey. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> oh, nice. So with that, we're going to uh, blast into the lightning round, which is actually usually quite slow. (laughs) (laughs) So Lily, want to kick us off? Sure. So first question, do you have a morning routine? I do, but I don't always do it. Um, If you you could, what would it be? (laughs) My my ideal morning routine that I have done many times, but not every day, is I wake up, take my dog out, make coffee. If I'm up early enough for one of the meetings – 12 step that I like, I'll go to meeting and like, kind of like let my coffee and stuff settle in. And then I will journal, meditate, maybe do a little yoga. And then I turn to like, what is, what do I need my morning focus for? So like writing, I had a really good streak during the pandemic where I wouldn't turn my phone on until I'd written a thousand words. And wow. that was, that was really good. Um, Cause That's then it impressive. kind of trained my brain I would meditate, journal, and write a thousand words and take my dog out and drink my coffee before I turned my phone on. And it like trained my brain for like, you know, the notifications and the dopamine. So my brain would be like, right. And then we get notifications, right? Notifications. So like, I feel like, yeah, yeah it's good. Yo, I might wow. need to start that. Because oh, me too. Shit's hectic. <laughs> well, yeah, I need to get back to it. I just decided I'm like, I'm going to do intermittent fasting with my phone. Oh, that's good. 
Okay, I'm like taking notes on this lifestyle hack. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite song to sing in the shower or in the car? Right now, I'm really into um, I'm really into the new red, the re-released Red by Taylor Swift. So I'll I'm like a I'm such an alcoholic. I'm a repeater. Like I'm just repeating the song over and over. So right now it is everything has changed, um, but I don't have her range. So it's That's a little fine. <laughs> it doesn't have to be good. It can just be like one but, one karaoke. note with lots of words. I went to karaoke. I did a duet, and there was this guy that I'd seen like a bunch of times who was also sober. And he kept asking me out. And finally, last night, I was like, look, I'm an escort. And he's like, I don't give a shit. Like, that's work. And we did a duet right. and made out after. And it was great. And I think if you do a duet at karaoke and you don't make out after, like, you, did you do a duet? I don't think you did. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm very charmed by this love story. And I really hope we can have you back on the podcast to hear how it went. <laughs> yeah, just, I love that. And so what turns you on? Man, okay, so... When guys like take charge, like this guy last night, like I was just like, what? I grabbed him and kissed him, and then he like pushed me back, and like, you know, I like when guys take charge because I'm, I'm very like <laughs> out there. I'm very like dominant in life, you know. So it's just nice to like not have to be in charge. Yeah. Right now, now I'm gonna have to master before I talk in that <laughs> in the shower. Why not? <laughs> I have a waterproof vibrator. Thank you. You just changed my morning. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> we get we live to give here on Sober Sex. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is the last great book you read? You're like I'm my own. <laughs> I'm reading a great book right now. Um, right here on my little book stand. It's called Crying in H Mart by Ooh. Michelle Zahner. She is the lead of Japanese Breakfast, and she was here at... I don't know, the form or the play. I went and saw her a few weeks ago, actually with a client, which was really cool to get like paid to go to a concert. I mean, yo, I think actually Mary H.K. Choi also recommended crying in H Mart. So really sober sex listeners, tap awesome. in. It's yeah, it's really good. I love it. Awesome. Love books. books are the best. Yeah, I want to, I'm going to check that one out too. Um, what is a series you're presently watching or the last great series you watched? If you watch. I'm watching a lot of series right now. Crazy the, new Dexter, <laughs> the new Dexter is fucking killing me. I love Succession. Curbed is back. Uh, the just came back out. What? And I feel so proud. I didn't watch Succession until last night, and I was like, what is my life? Like, that is how cool I am right now. It took me two full days to get to, like, my favorite show. Amazing. That's my favorite show, too. That writing is unreal. I was so obsessed with Kendall Roy like pathologically, like I was like Googling him and he's, the actor is such a cunt. Like, he's Oh so yeah. He's like a method actor to the max, right? Oh, like he's no, super, like, like he's, he sucks. Like when he talks, he's all like, Oh, and he's like quoting like obscure playwrights. It's like, Oh fuck off, dude. You're on TV. Like calm down. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. I don't like him as much this season. Maybe cause he was so broken last season. And like, I love a sad boy. No, I don't like him this season either. I'm feeling really? the same. No, I don't. I'm like, he's, he, I'm cringing every two seconds with him this season. But last season, I was really like there to pick up the pieces for him, you know? I mean, when he was doing meth in that fucking cabin. <laughs> oh, I love that. That was so fun. We loved like letting it go. <laughs> I loved Part his like Harris romance too. I like that whole thing that was going on with her. So, yeah. Uh, more spoiler alerts though, because I haven't watched this season yet because I'm waiting for them all to come oh, out yes. so we can binge them. <laughs> Good call. 
But this season, I'm like, wow, everything Kieran Culkin says is hilarious. So I'm like living oh, yeah. that right now. Like even it's the so text when he's like, who isn't here at my birthday? And she was like, your mom, your dad. <laughs> Kieran's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh my God, the writers are so good. This moment that that I think it was in the second, it was the last season with Jared when he's telling he's telling his girlfriend to lie still like a corpse so he can have sex. <laughs> and he's like, it just has to be wrong. You don't understand. And she's like, I don't understand. <laughs> lie still or pretend you're dead. Oh, so good. And, and unfortunately, like I was really having a great time with that moment. My partner did not under he was just like, What? Like, <laughs> why are you like this? Um, <laughs> what do you love other than obviously succession? Uh, I love, love, love books, and I love to travel by myself. Um, but I did realize last time I went to Italy and Greece, and I was like, Oh, wait, I can negotiate for my I could travel with a person now. Like, I don't have to travel alone because I can't negotiate my needs and I don't have friends. (laughs) Like, there's the other part of it. No, you have friends to go visit around the world thanks to Zoom recovery. Yes. I actually wrote an article about it for Input Magazine. It was the most money I'd ever made um, about, like, loving Zoom recovery. At a time where everybody was really sick of Zoom, about, like, what – and it was about that group. But I fucking – I love Taylor Swift. I'm psychotically obsessed with Taylor Swift. She is my favorite artist of all time, and I'm still, like, emotionally processing folklore, and she's released, like, three things since then. Um, I mean, she's making the wisest business decisions of anybody in the music business ever. She's the best. And, like, I just, I love to, like, go out and, like, dance like I do in my home, which I'm just learning how to do. I like to hula hoop. I like Ashtanga yoga. It's, like, I feel like it's perfect for an alcoholic because it's always the same progression of like of poses. So I feel like as a control freak, I'm like, okay. And then after balancing, I get to lie down. But when you're in yoga and they're like, do this. And I don't know what's coming. Like, I don't feel safe. Plus yeah. in LA, like LA yoga is a, Ashtanga is like a really hardcore form of yoga. But I feel like most LA yoga is like, they're hiring off of like personality and not like, like I've never been to a regular yoga class in LA where they remembered to tell me to stretch both sides, you know? It's just not like maybe they have a good Instagram following and they're really attractive, but they're not actually actually a yoga teacher. I'm like I'm, I'm into, and that's why it's so cool. I can I can practice my teacher back in Connecticut now on Zoom. Yeah, and I can practice by myself. I love Ojai. Um, I love a hot spring. Big fan of a hot spring. I love your um, gratitude list. Yes. I love leaf spot. I love oh, me too. The phone. I used to be always grounded, and then I had a really abusive husband who didn't want me to have friends. So like the phone was like all I had. And so mm. I love phone chat. Um, I love craftsman homes. <laughs> you love your mermaid bra. I love my mermaid bra. I fucking love James purse t-shirts and I love getting my lashes done. And I love DBT therapy. And uh, yeah, I love like now I'm getting like obsessed with like saving and investing. And I'm like super into that. I like automating my savings. Cause I never miss it. Like, you know, into things. <laughs> this is the best list. <laughs> You're like Taylor Swift, automating savings. Oh, hi. <laughs> this is fantastic. Hot yes, Hot Springs Craftsman, craftsman Homes. <laughs> well, uh, like, you're LA. such a joy. Wait, keep it coming. Will you, will you, will you? I love LA. Like, I love not having to, like, be fake with people and just, like, 
hi, nice to meet you. I've been working with my inner adolescent. Like, I just like, just, like, just be who the fuck that I am, you know? And, yeah. like, all the moments where I'm, like, where I, like, become curious with myself instead of being, like, embarrassed or shameful about something and, like, kind of investigate and, like, see a pattern. Like, I love figuring out these little things and then being, like, what if I try this and having that, like, work, you know? And no, I like you were saying, like, daring to dream. Yeah. Well, everything I've ever gotten in my life is first, I'll have this little shift. I remember looking for an apartment in New York and I'm like in Greenpoint with a puppeteer. Like, that's not me, you know, like looking for apartments and then being like, what if I could, cause I'm like, I'm an escort. I can't get a lease. What if I could have an apartment in the West village by myself? Like I want. And I had this moment where I like felt this energetic shift. I opened Craigslist back up. I was in my apartment in five minutes. Somebody had already taken it, but the woman was sober and a writer and had a little dog and was 10 years older and everything was 10 years. It was like, she's like, you're me from 10 years ago. She was like, sorry about that finance girl. She's not getting it. It's yours. Oh, oh that's, that's so awesome. beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, if anything, joy. Anything away, it's like, if you can't believe you have to believe first, like that's, even if you don't really believe, like even just becoming willing to become willing that maybe you could have this thing you want, game changing. Oh my God. Yes. Wait, 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 wait. Before we wrap up, we're going to ask, we're going to, of course, like be like, where can we find you? But like, before we do that, Lily, like, what do you fucking want? What do you believe that you could have right now? <laughs> Changing this into like Tony Robbins. Go. No, you, you first, you first. Well, funny enough, I was doing this on my morning pages this morning. <laughs> And I want a fucking record deal that includes a tour support budget <laughs> um, and that is non-exclusive. That's what Ooh. I want. Album Love two, that. it's coming. What do you want? <laughs> what do I, oh my God, what do I want? I want a book. I want to finish a book. And I want, I want to have a home. Hell yeah. I want to have a home. Yeah. It's coming. It's so yeah, it's, it's coming. coming. Rebecca, like what's what's next on the list of things that you that you are manifesting into your life? And I don't like that word because I feel very privileged, but like that you believe that you can have. Okay, so everything is like already manifested, right? And my job is just to allow it in. So that's like you get your vibes start to get higher, you start to have more fun, all of a sudden pop 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 all this shit starts popping in. I'm ready for my book deal. I'm ready for my comedy career to go to the next level. And I'm re- I'm I got invited as a guest to this MFA program. They're like, I'm like, what? Like, and uh, so I, I don't know if I want to do an MFA or not, but I'm excited to investigate. And I would like, I would like to, uh, I would like to date a person or maybe a few. I don't know. I would like to date a little bit. So that's all coming. That's all coming. Wonderful. I guess Let it be happening. done. I don't know if it's a date or not, but I guess I'm going to find out. <laughs> I mean, whatever you want it to be, right? So where can we find you on the internet or in real life? Go off. Okay, so if you enjoyed what I said, uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RebeccaRush639, at Vulnerability Show. If you didn't like what I said but want to know what my tits look like, OnlyFans, RR639. <laughs> Perfect. That's a great – that's the best where can we find you ever. Yes, awesome. truly. Oh, you're fantastic. I can't. I hope we get to meet in person someday. Thank yes, you so much please. for being we'll on Sober Sex. Yeah. We will come to the show for sure. Thank <laughs> you, Rebecca. Thanks for having me.